Cubbies. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. You know, I got to meet Bellinger when I was in Chicago doing my physical. Really excited to have him behind me. You know, I think it's a solid roster. And I think, you know, from the Cubs point of view, I think it's a, a division that if you pour into the, the right guys and, and create the right roster, the division should be, you know, I don't want to say up for grabs. You know, we have to go out there and prove it, but it's a division that's gettable. So, you know, I'm happy that they're adding to it. And I think it's a group that can make some noise. Jameson Tyone talking about joining the Cubs, why he joined the Cubs. On with Mully and Zach when Zach was in here doing a couple of days. That's always nice to see. Is the Bernstein and Home Show. Lawrence and Layla hanging out here with you until 2 o'clock. We are talking about the Cubs and we are we are looking for your feedback on the offseason that the Cubs have had. Some really great texts have rolled through. 312-644-6767 is the number. This texter from the 630, he, he really, really wrote a, a thesis, but we'll, we'll read most of it. I love having Layla on the air. She brings out the best in whoever she works with. I agree with that. And Wednesdays are, are made better with her on the air. Thank you for being willing to continue teaching and improving players. It kind of feels like the Cubs are going for low risk, high reward on offense this year. They, they're, people are talking about Tucker Barnhart on the text lines as well. 802 Texas says plenty of teams win in playoffs with weak hitting catchers. Long way to season. I figured Jed would add some offense. It's not a ton of offense left to add out there, although Trey Mancini would make a lot of sense. Plenty for of them. teams making the playoffs with weak hitting catchers who wanted weak hitting catchers despite winning the World Series. Because the other team that wanted him badly was Houston. Right. Who is also in that situation, but they've got enough offense around the diamond. Correct. That it doesn't matter. And even though they they had enough offense around the diamond, they were like, you know what we should get? That Abreu guy gets on base a lot. Here's $80 million. Come on down. Sure feels like they prioritized offensive war in the offseason, does it not? I was talking to a friend of mine that's a huge Jose Abreu fan. And I asked about how you're dealing with this. And this person was like, I haven't, I haven't truly processed it. And that first time, because you're going to see him against the White Sox to start the season. Opening day. It's, it, it's going to bother some people. But we will talk about the White Sox on tomorrow's show. Let's go out to the northwest side and talk with Tony. Hey, Tony, you're on the score. Hey, guys. Uh, first of all, happy holidays to you both. Thanks. Happy New Year. Merry New Year. Yes. Um, the Cubs, I think they've done a decent job so far, but they need they need power at first base. Trey Mancini would be nice. They need another uh, relief pitcher. I think Andrew Chafin coming back would be nice, too. Getting the sheriff back in the fold. Adding some depth, like, you know, Jed actually talked a little bit about that, and it felt like a sideswipe uh, against the the Southside Nine. Oh, yeah, it did. We all had some faces we made during that conversation. Yeah, because you're hearing him talk about the the concept of, yeah, well, you don't give long-term deals to bullpens and think that you've – building a bullpen to me – I, it's funny that I subscribe to that same philosophy. It can be risky. Uh, I do feel like you know, bullpens are so so incredibly volatile. And you know, in my experience, I think it's really, really hard to 
you know, go into an offseason and say, we're going to, we're going to build the bullpen with, you know, multi-year deal, multi-year deals and, and big contracts. I feel like um, I personally would much rather spend those, uh, those dollars on, you know, things I think feel like provide more certainty, frankly, you know? And so we'll look to do what we've done, which is like, you know, try to find guys we think we can improve guys. We think that, you know, can bounce back or we can make some changes to, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident we can, uh, with our young pitching and, and, and our infrastructure, we can build a good bullpen. Yeah. yeah, that hits every time. That, uh, that, that tracks every time. Why don't we hear some more from Jed? And this is him talking about, with, with Mully and Zach, him, him talking about the, the philosophies that went into this offseason. Really what we talked about was, you know, what our plan is to, to build something special. And I, I talked a lot about, you know, what Theo and I did when we got here in 2011. And, you know, obviously you always, you know, every puzzle is, is different, but we talked about, you know, the free agents that we plan to bring in and that we brought in last year, we talked about our minor league system and we talked about, I think that those two things are, are starting to, to merge. And I think when they do merge really well, I think we're going to be really good for a long time. And I talked about how he, you know, the way I see it is the Braves did a really good job, you know, going back sort of when, when we started to to get really good in 2015 or 16, that was when they started their building process. And Danzu was a huge cornerstone of that with a lot of great young players. And I said, you know, you were, you were a young player and you were one of the building blocks of the Braves build, building process. And I said, like, let's, you know, let's come here and let's, let's, let's be the leader of one, you know, not just be the, the young player, the young shortstop, but be a player that can lead, that kind of building process and, and be, you know, sort of at the head of, of something really special. And I think that really appealed to him. I think he takes leadership really seriously, uh, you know, from his reputation in Atlanta. I think he believes that's part of the part of the job and, and part of what he's good at. And I think that was appealing to him to having been a sort of a cog in a, a really good young team and, and hopefully leading one. I think was a, I think he looked at his career that way. And if this is the second part where he gets to lead that, I think that's really wonderful. A texter chimes in, uh, 469 Texas says, we don't need a placeholder at first. Mervis will be up by the break. Take that money and spend it on left-handed pitching. I, why are you making that face, Mike Rankin? You put a lot of stock into a guy who's never been in the bigs. I, he's what, yep. 20, 20 years old? And a year and a half in the minors. Do we really think he's going to be up that quickly, or is that just by White Sox prospect age talking? I do think that he will be on the Cubs roster at some point this year. I don't know if by the break, but... Um, Yes, you have to be careful that that there are those guys that are coming to to fix it. It's weird because there was a stretch where the Cubs were bringing up players, and you're like, "Oh, that guy's really good. That guy's really good," and then that leveled off with some of the players. And you just need to go back to you need make them prove it to you. Don't don't anoint someone until they see major league pitching. Make them prove that they can mash at the major league level. I also want to offer this, and it was brought up by a texter as well. You can be conservative in your bullpen approach when it comes to how you assemble a team, but someone still has to be the closer. So who do we think that's going to be on this team? I think they're going to, I think they're going to try and figure that out as the season goes on. And when Cody Hoyer is healthy, that's your guy in theory. I, I'm a Probably so. big fan of Cody Hoyer. 
Yeah, I actually think that that was a, a savvy. Mm-hmm. Even even after everything, I to, think that was a savvy trade. To me, that's to him. that's the player that makes that trade, not the other guy that people continue to long for, and I don't understand why. I, I appreciate people caring about somebody and asking about them. And by the way, in all of this, was I the only one who like kept reading the Danny Mendick to the Mets transaction over and over again? All right. Let me ask you a question. I just want to sit there with that for a second. Future Sox Mike Rankin. If the White Sox walked into, and I don't know where Mendick is health-wise, if the White Sox walked into the season with him being their starting second baseman over Romy, would you feel better about it or neutral? It doesn't really do anything for me because I think what's – we'll talk about this more tomorrow, I'm sure, but the plan, in my opinion, is relying on the depth that they have within the organization. It starts with Romy Gonzalez. Lenin Sosa is a part of this. Is the value of Danny Mendick going to outshine what you have internally? Probably not by much, so I'm okay with it. Okay. Danny Mendick is more established than those two. No, you're right, and that's the difference, is you you know what you're getting in Danny Mendick, but they're banking on the upside and organizational development. This sexer says he he's got some comments for us, Layla. Okay. He's from the eight one five. Shocking. Eight one five is all right by me for the most part. Happy to talk about the Cubs once the ice skating rink and teacups are off the field. Don't the Bulls have a big game tonight? Oh yeah, I replied and said probably why we're talking about it at one p.m. as this is a four hour show. Yeah. You can't always get what you want. We try sometimes. You just might find you get what you need. How about you let us program the show there, Cha-Cha? There's one thing that I do want to point out that I don't think we have yet, and that's the importance of the Cubs taking an organizational shift as far as to how to have what you call a diversified portfolio. Like, we talk a lot about the the Mets sightings, and sure, but that doesn't mean that they weren't able, as an organization, historically, to develop pitching talent. The same could be said for Houston. They've also developed some incredible infield talent as well. And the same can be said for contending teams. And I'm hoping that with bringing a philosophy in from Cleveland and with their pitch lab, you're seeing that take shape. I present Keegan Thompson. Hey, now. Tomorrow, you know what we're going to do, Layla? We're going to do a similar 40-minute chunk about the White Sox. Since we already kind of snuck it in now. I mean, just a little but Here's the thing. Here's what I think is going to happen tomorrow. And I could be wrong, but this is this is my prediction. This is how I see view it. Cubs fans are like, all right, we good for now. Tomorrow when I open up these phone lines for White Sox fans. Let's go. It's, <laughs> it's going to be like that GIF from just... Game of Thrones. They're going to be coming at us. We got to sort, and that's it. Ain't no season like the offseason. The, the horde of White Sox fans that are going to flood these phone lines and text lines and the Twitch stream tomorrow when I do the, hey, do you guys want to talk about the offseason thing? They're going to be like, we sure do, Lawrence. We very much would like to talk about the offseason. <laughs> Trust like Cubs fans are in a good spot right now. They're just chilling. They're like, let's see what happens with this. Maybe they do add Trey Mancini. Maybe they do get a little bit more pitching. But but really, why has Trey Mancini not signed with anybody yet? That's a good question. Maybe he's trying to find the right fit. To be honest. I I'm I'm all for like look around. And maybe you find that 
there's some extra money out there because some teams have more money because they didn't sign Carlos Correa. Additionally, I could see him wanting to go to a contender because he served time. Right? <laughs> like, he's done the rebuild. All that time in Baltimore, and maybe after being in Houston, you're like, I really like winning. I like this kind of party. It feels good. So we'll talk about the White Sox tomorrow. Up next, something cool is happening for an HBCU, and we get to celebrate one of the greatest players ever. And what it did was it led to us going down a wormhole that left us both going, are you out of your mind? How could all of those people be on that team? It's really a celebration of sports. We will do that next here on The Score. This is my type of party. 